we're closing out the series of the book of James and um, it's five chapters and so today is the fifth week that we're concluding uh, the, the series and um, I want to encourage you all if you're not part of a hope group uh, that you uh, sign up as well because tomorrow uh, we will be emailing the teams, the, the, the outlines in Tuesday in Spanish and Wednesday in English. We have whole groups, and we're actually talking about what we're preaching about today. So I want to encourage everybody to be a part of our whole groups. And so we talked about uh, James chapter 1, obviously the first week, and we talked about the importance of uh, James' focus on a church who was scattered, uh, and he told them the importance on having joy in the midst of trials. And it's funny because when you read chapter 5 and you read chapter 1, it kind of like, um, so he starts off, you know, to the 12 tribes that are scattered, you know, peace. And then he goes, count it all joy when you go through diverse trials, knowing that the testing of the, the, testing of the trials produces faith and faith, patience and patience. It's not ashamed, and on and on and on. And then from there, he goes on to the practical of living. Now, understand, the church is scattered. The church is under persecution. And I, 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 like, I like James's presentation of this letter because how many of us know, if we're honest, how many of us know that in times of despair and pressure, we make foolish decisions? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you make a decision. What did I do? The church is scattered. The church is under persecution. The church is going through a whole bunch of stuff. And James is telling the church or the churches, the 12 tribes, how to respond in the midst of the crisis. The other thing I notice is... Because I believe that, that one of the things that we need to reconcile as of God is what we know of God and what we do with that we know. It's a lot of church people that know the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave us a begotten son. For whosoever believeth and not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you're really, 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 really knowledgeable, then you know verse 17. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but the world will be saved through it. And if you're really anointed, then you read verse, <laughs> verse 18. And you start, and, and, but the power of the Bible is not just in the knowledge of the Bible. It's in the application of the Bible. There are people that know Hebrew. And they know Greek. And they know Aramaic. And they know Latin. And they know, and they know all of this stuff. But the, the, the problem with Jesus and the Pharisees was not that they did not know the law. They did not live the power of it. And so the victory of a believer is living out the word of God. That's why John said, and the word became flesh. Got to manifest itself. And so it is in a church, to a church that is scattered, to a church in crisis, to a church in problems. James is saying it's not enough to know scripture. What you do in the middle of the crisis will determine the success and effectivity of that which you know about the Lord. And so he starts out with that. Then chapter 2, which I won't get into because you guys have been here for the past five weeks. 
He addresses the importance of treating one another with dignity. We talked about that. Yesterday, Pastor Arias spoke about the greatest muscle in the body, which is the tongue. And it's how to live a life of character in about chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Patience in suffering. Having patience in suffering. And he says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Some of us are only patient for a little while. But James is telling the church, I want y'all to be patient, not until you see a miracle. I want you to be patient until Jesus comes again. Let me ask you a question. How many guys believe that Jesus is coming again? All right. How many of y'all know when Jesus is coming back again? How many of you know when he's coming back? Jesus Jesus said, the hour or the day nobody knows but the Father who is in heaven. We don't know when he's coming back. Now, he left signs, Matthew 24, and one day I preached that in Revelation. But James is saying, we have to be patient until he comes back again. So patience is not a thing I'm going to do when things go my way. But I am commissioned by God through the scripture to be patient until Jesus returns. He says, and then he gives us the explanation. See how a farmer waits for praying patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another. Good God, have mercy. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the, of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Ooh, I get excited when I read that. Ah, let's read verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall. How many of you guys here, is there anybody here that likes to wait? Hands, please. He likes to wait. You like to wait. Wait online. You know when your phone bill is due and you're trying to call, to, you don't, they don't charge you the penalty and they got you waiting and you hear ding, 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 ding. Waiting is annoying. I, don't, I mean, can I get a witness? I hate waiting. There's something about waiting that causes the old man in me to come alive. <laughs> Having to wait. You apply for a job, and then you got to wait. Are they going to call me? You wrote to that girl, hey, I like you, boo. And you got to wait for the response. Having to wait is frustrating. Because we are living in a system that tells us waiting is bad. Uh, Valentine's, Valentine's, right? Valentine's. Valentine's Day, right? You know, because now, now 
you know, you know, my wife and I, we go, you know, I, I don't like going to shopping in the malls. I, you know, when I go shopping in the mall, I know what store I'm going to. And so in five minutes, I'm in and I'm out. That's, that's, that's the theology of Gavi's spirit. Not my wife. My wife will visit 17.3 million stores. And she saw what she wants in the first store. And 17.3 million stores later, she goes back to the same store. And she buys it. She returns it two days later. Because she doesn't like the way it looks on her. So while she's doing all that, I'm thinking all the time I had to wait. You know, the, the, the first five minutes, oh, yeah, look, honey, how does it look? It looks nice. 30 minutes later, don't ask me that question. I, so what I, here's what I do. I shop online. And so for Valentine's Day, right, because here's another thing. You know, I, I can't buy stuff for my wife because everywhere I go, She's there. I'm telling you, when I tell you she's the sugar of my coffee, the vanilla of my flour, I'm not, everywhere I go, she's there. You know, that's, that's you know, Batman and Robin. You know, she's uh, Laverne and Shirley. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we're always together. So, so Valentine is coming. I'm like, okay, well, I, I got to buy her a gift. But, but everywhere I go, she goes. So I, I got to figure out a way to do this. So, so here's what I did. I, I, I bought her a wedding band. Yeah, I bought her a wedding band. Because the last three I bought. Yo, you're a bunch of instigators. <laughs> Here's my point. Here's my, that's, not, that's not the point. This is the point. She's lost it, you know, because, you know, washing dishes and cleaning and, you know, it's just, it's just the busyness of life, as have I. So I lost mine, too. Um... So what I did was I said, well, let me, let me buy her a ring since I can't go anywhere because she's going to be there. So I bought her a ring for Valentine's. Now, now I uh, Zales or whatever, I went online and, and I bought a ring. And, 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 and when you buy online, it tells you the estimated day when that merchandise should arrive. Okay, two to three business days. I'm like, okay, so I got enough time before Valentine's, do my thing. So here's what happens. February 13 comes and the ring ain't in my door. February 14 comes. February 15 comes. It wasn't until Monday. So I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And you know, you know, Angel's buying, my, 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 my daughter's boyfriend is buying her his gifts and, and everybody buying their gifts. And, and I'm here like, I order this sucker. And I'm frustrated because I didn't want to wait. You said in the computer, two to three business days. Because we don't like to wait. We live in a society where we hate. And then the thing is, we come to Jesus, and we think Jesus operates the way we operate. And we think that God is a microwave God. 
Who's sick? But then when I look at scripture, listen, listen, listen. God had the power to create everything that exists in a second. But it took him seven days. Which tells me he is not impatient. He took his time to do what he had to do. So we come to Jesus, and now our mentality is because life is fast-paced, and everything is now, and I want it now, and I need it now. God, you got to operate the way I am. But God don't work that way. You don't serve a microwave God. His plan and his work for you will always take time. Now, here's why time is important. Because time gives value to things. Did you know that equity is established through time? You buy a house today. Three years later, that house is going. Time makes things valuable. You buy a brand new car today. The moment you take it out the dealer, it drops and, and it, right, it depreciates, right? 25 years later, guess what happens to that value? It jumps back up again. So when God operates through time, we think that time is killing us, but God says, no, I need time to make you better, to make you stronger, to make you more valuable. And if you understand that it is in my time, make you greater, you will endure the hardship in the process. Now, if we hate to wait in normal areas in life, then in seasons of suffering, and pain, we will definitely hate to wait. There will be, listen to me, church, there will be seasons of pain and seasons of transition. And in the midst of this, how will you respond in those moments? The question is not where the problems are going to come. No, we know they're coming. But the quintessential question you must ask yourself is how am I going to respond? When they arrive. How to respond to suffering. Let me tell you three ways that people respond when it comes to suffering. One of the ways that people respond is, what? You what? There are people that respond to suffering with fight. Oh, no, you hurt me. You ain't never going to hurt me again because the last time you, and we get, we get, we get violence. With the attitudes, I'm going to fight my way through. But the mentality says, I'm strong enough. I can do this by myself. I can last in this fight. I'm a, but the problem with this is fighting implies you don't need God because you got it on your own. Fighting becomes even, it makes you kind of like a false image. A false God that says, I am codependent. I got this by myself. I do this all by myself, which implies to God, I don't need you. I got this. People respond to suffering, fighting with fright, which is fear. People living in fear. And every moment of struggles and in pain, people have you ever seen people crumble in fear? <laughs> you know, you know, you know it, it, it's like the wife that's driving, and she's seeing that she's going to have a collision, 
And instead of responding, diverting the accident, she's like, oh, my God, it's coming. <laughs> Don't say it's coming. Turn the steering wheel. Because there are people that in moments of pain, instead of doing something, they crumble in fear. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to stay right here, and I'm going to live in fear. And listen, there are people that have not progressed in life because of fear. They're stuck. I'm not getting married again because the last time I got married, he broke my heart. I'm not moving forward again because the last time I moved forward, they did this. And you're stuck in fear. My Bible tells me that God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Fear and faith are enemies. Don't tell me you're a man of faith if you're living in fear. If you are a person, you will never live out your faith. But when you live out in faith, you look at fear and say, you come against me with a sword and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. James talks about faith. He doesn't talk about flight, fight. He doesn't talk about freight. Nor does he not talk about flight. Here, take this too. Here, take this too. <laughs> he talks about fighting. No. Can't fight. Here. Here's another one. You cannot flight. What does that mean, Pastor? Run away. There are people that in moments of pain, escapism is the alternative. There are people that in moments of struggle, their way out is, I'm running away, I'm moving on. Listen, you, you, listen, you can move geographically and still have your same problems. Because moving from one address to another is not going to solve your situation. The demon you had in Kissimmee, you're going to have it in St. Cloud. And the demon you had in Chicago, you're going to have it in Orlando. How, how, running away from the problem, listen, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob had the blessing of his brother. And you know what he did with his blessing? He ran all of his life. And he never enjoyed the blessing because as long as you're running from your fear and you're running from your pain, you can have a blessing from the Lord and never fulfill it. The first key to confronting God's favor upon your life is that in the midst of your crisis, you will not run. You will not flight. You will stay there and say, patiently I waited upon the Lord and he heard my cry and delivered me from my fears. So fear is not an option. Fighting is not the option, and fleeing is not the option. As James talks about suffering, he's discussing a topic that's been real. Listen, if anybody knows about suffering, surely it's James. If anybody knows about suffering. First of all, let's just take, throw it off the bat. James saw his brother get killed. James' brother was Jesus Christ. If anybody knows the suffering of death, Surely it's James. They killed his brother and he did nothing but feed the poor, help the broken. Not only that, James saw all of his friends get boiled up in hot water, burned to death. That's the, that, that's the guy that's telling to the church, consider it all joy when you go. If anybody knows what to say in the midst of crisis, it's James. I want to hear He's the same guy who at the end of his ministry 
He was hated by the Pharisees in the system. They took him to the rooftop of a, church, of, a, of a tabernacle. And they threw him off to kill him. The guy jumped off the ground. And they thought he died. They didn't kill him. He didn't die. And after they saw he was still alive, they beat him to death. James knows about suffering. And he says, consider it all joy when you go through diverse crisis. And he speaks to a persecuted church as if to say, I know what it is to be persecuted. But here's the key, execution and pain. Here's the key. You need patience in suffering. The key to your problem is not escapism. It's not fighting. It is being patient upon the Lord. We have to learn how to wait on him. If we're going to be the church we are supposed to be. So, I got three things and I'm closing. How to make it through suffering patiently. And we'll close. Number one, if you want to know how to make it through suffering patiently, the first thing you need is you need to get a vision. Write that down. Get a vision. You need to get a picture. You need to see an image of where you are supposed to be. God gives you a picture of the future for what? So that you can endure the pain of the present. An image of your tomorrow in mind, you can say, I can be crying today, but these lighter afflictions will not compare to the coming glory. What did Paul says? I am forgetting those things which are behind me, and I'm reaching for those things which are before me. How? Factor of my faith. In the middle of your suffering, if you want to overcome, don't focus on your today. Focus on your tomorrow. That's why it is important for us to realize that God's desire for us is not to kill us in the process. Let us know weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You got to get a vision. Live your life with a vision. Listen to me. Live your life with a vision. To endure means to be patient in the process. And then he says, he says, he says, here's how. If you want to know how to live life with a vision, let me give an example. And then he gives us an example in verse 11. And you know who he talks about? He talks about a farmer. If there's one thing a farmer has to have is vision. See, see, you know, I like oranges, right? So I peel the orange. I eat the orange. And right in the middle of the orange, there's these things called seeds. When I get to the seed part, I do what we all do, right? I eat it, right? I take, I, I, somehow my tongue peels it out of the thing and I... If you're not ghetto like me, you take a little fork and, right? But, but, but you know, you know, you know we, we, we spit them out because, because, because to me, to me, the value of the orange is the orange itself. It's not the seed. But, but see, see, I'm not a farmer. So when I look at a seed, I see a seed. When a farmer looks at a seed, he sees a forest. 
when a, far, when a farmer looks at a seed, he looks at the potential that that seed has. When I look at a seed, all right, I finished that one. Give me the other orange because I'm all about the product. But the farmer is all about the process. And so, and so, and so James is telling us this kind of suffering, the way we overcome the suffocation is when we begin to have the attitude of a farmer that says, they might not can see the potential that you have, but I'm going to water you. I'm going to give you soil. I'm going to give you sun. I'm going to give you protection because it might look insignificant today, but give me a couple of years and it's going to be worth the investment I'm doing. I'm telling you today, church, in the middle of your pain, begin to sow in fertile ground and in the end, God will have you fish. He says, farmers, they start off with seeds and end up with forests. Farmers start off with nothing. Patience. Patience. I've never seen a farmer that plant a seed and five minutes later say, yo, what's up? I never saw a farmer that plant a seed and a year later was expecting to have a, 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 a crop of corn. But the thing is, we come to Jesus and we expect that from him. I gave you my life. Here's my heart. I want a house. Well, time out. Here's my heart, Jesus. I want a car. Here's my house, Jesus. I want a man, and I want him six foot six, and I want a blue eyes and blonde hair, and he got a little like, he got a little like, like, he got, he, he, he. <laughs> time out. But for 25 years, you had the devil in and I got to uproot all of that junk out and clean the soil and fix you because if I put another man in you and another woman in you and you're so nasty and you're so ugly inside, let me work you first. How do I work you? How does God work us? How does God make us better? Processes. Processes is the avenue God uses to make us better. And we're so impatient. We don't... We, we want God to do it today. But the thing is, you can't handle a blessing today. Listen, I can give my son John the Jaguar I bought him at the age of six. Imagine my son. I bought him a Jaguar, I don't know, seven years ago. Seven years ago? Six years ago? I don't know. At the age of six, imagine my son with a Jaguar. Have the mentality or the aptitude or the character or the integrity to maneuver that machine. So wait. Not for the car to be ready, for his mind to be ready. And some of us, we want things from God and we want stuff from God. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to give it to you. You want that more suffering because you need a little bit more pain to learn how to handle stuff so that when I give you what I give you, you can honor me in the process. Listen to me. James, what do you know about suffering? Oh, he knows a lot. And so he tells us, let's operate like Farmers, get a vision. Start off with seeds, and it might be small, but I promise you, after a while, it will be white. Don't flight. Don't run away. Don't fight. Don't make, don't make yourself bigger than what you ought to be. Trust in the Lord. Here's another thing you have to do. Number two. Number one was get a vision. Number two, you need to get treatment. You need to get treatment. And let me tell you, Getting treatment isn't always good. I remember as a kid, I was running, right? And I thought, have you ever scuffed your knee running? And you feel like, like half of your body's on the floor in the cement. 
and, and that, that, that little burn you feel, that burn that you just scratch all around it, and never have any, ah, and, and you're crying, and blood is dripping, and you're in pain, and it hurts, and oh my God, it's painful, and, and, and then you come to mama, you come to mama, because you know, you know, for some reason, kids have this thing that mama makes pain go away. And then you, I went to mama, you know, with my pain and money, and I ran to mama. Mama, me duele, you And you know what mama did? Vengo ahora, mi hijo. I'll be right back. And you know what she did? She went to the bathroom. She opened up, she opened up the cabinet, and she bought this white bottle of alcohol. I was crying about the pain of my knee up until I saw the bottle of alcohol. When I saw the bottle of alcohol, I started crying because of the pain that was going to come. And when she uncovered that top, and I, you know the smell of alcohol, I started, oh, mommy, no, please, oh, mommy, no, please, mommy, no, please. Oh. The power of Christ compels you, mommy, no, please. Because, 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 because I, I began to realize that that thing called is going to produce a bigger pain than the pain I had when I fell on the floor. And many of us, when we come to God broken and hurting, we want God to heal us, but we don't want God to hurt us. Somebody say preach. And God is saying, I want to make you better, but in order to make you better, it's going to feel rough. It's going to be painful, but I'm going to use that for my glory. But let me treat you in the process. Listen, physical therapy isn't always nice, but necessary. Years ago, 2000, 2010, 2011. Fourth of July, I was playing basketball with my family, some guys from the church. You know, I thought I was out of I go up for a layup, a layup, and I broke my Achilles. It, it, I, I don't know if you, if you ever notice me walk, it, you know, some people say, Pastor, you walk with a New York swag. No, I got a broken Achilles, bro. I'm not trying to be dug. I got a broken Achilles. <laughs> now, 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 what I was supposed to do was take therapy. Take therapy. But the moment I started doing self-therapy, that's a, the moment I started doing self-therapy, the pain was so excruciating, I decided not to get therapy. So now, end result, I have a broken Achilles, and I'm always walking with the swag of the Bronx. What, 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 what am I trying to say? Because Therapy is painful. Therapy hurts, but therapy is necessary for restoration. Right now, right now, we have, we have uh, one of our daughters, one, 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 Brother Lewis's daughter. She has a cast on her leg. Now, when you think of a cast, a cast is a boundary. It's a restriction. It doesn't allow your leg to move itself the way it's supposed to do. But what boundaries do, listen to me. Listen to me. What boundaries do in your life and in my life in moments of pain is that it protects us while it restricts us from things so that we can be stronger in the process of restoration. So we got to be careful that in the middle of our pain and our situation, we got to make sure that we keep our vision straight, number one. Number two, here's another one. And I close. Not yet. I'm closing. We got to get distracted. 
to be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming near. That's the verse we read. Don't grumble against one another. Listen to this. Put that verse, put that verse back up. Uh, I think it's James chapter 5, verse. He says, do not grumble against one another. No, go to 8. He says, you also be patient. Look what he says. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Leave that verse there. I want you to understand what he's telling us. He's telling us, chapter 1, verse 1, to the 12 tribes that are scattered, peace. This is the church that's going through persecution. Look what he tells them. Be patient. Look at their focal point. Establish a heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What he's saying is, in the middle of your persecution, yeah, you could get crazy and pull your hair and go. He says, no, no, don't do that. Focus on the coming of Jesus. Focus on Christ. Focus in the promises of the Lord. Be, he says, he says, the world, if there's one thing you need to get distracted in the middle of your pain, is get distracted by it in Christ. You grumble and complain about the pain and suffering, it will not make it any better. But when you focus on, listen, I, I don't know why, I don't know why times I play sports and I've hurt my elbow, but I was so caught up in the game that I didn't feel the pain. You know, and it isn't until like 12 o'clock at night that you just don't feel everything. But in the middle of the process, in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the game, you caught up in the game, which is I want to win. That's the goal. That's the vision. That even though you got elbowed, it, it hurts, but, but you're, you're not being distracted by the pain because you're being distracted by the goal. And the goal is to win. So what am I telling you, church? What I'm telling you, church, I'm not telling you that pain it's going to go away. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, church, is while the pain is there, keep your eyes on Christ. Get distracted in the things of the Lord. How to make it through suffering patiently. Look what, Paul, look what James says. He says we need to be as patient, and then he gives us an example, as patient as Job in the Bible. So he talks about patience. He talks about the farmer, and now he talks about Job. Now, very few people I know have suffered trials the way Job did. Job, in one day, he went through bankruptcy, all of his property. That same day, he lost all of his livestock. That same day, all of his kids died in a house. That same day, his wife said, dude, curse God and die, bro. He lost it all in one day. And in addition to all this, his friends talked about him. In addition to all that, he got a disease in his Oh, Jesus. But he endured the pain patiently. Look what he says in Job 13, 15. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Verse 19 of chapter 16, he says, surely even now my witness is in heaven and my evidence is on high. And Job 19, 25 says, for I know that my redeemer lives and that he shall stand last on. Why 
he lost it all. Children. Family. Possessions. How was it that Job was able to lose everything and not lose patience? He lost everything. Here's, how, here's why, and, I, and I'm closing. Here's why. Because, because Job, see, we, we feel, we, 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 we've concluded that having problems is or equals having problems equals absence of God. Yeah, girl, you're going through that because if, if God was with you, you shouldn't be in that mess. You know, that happened to you. <laughs> you better find out what you have with God because, you know, God don't, you know, God don't like ugly. Job had a lot of ugly things going on in his way. But do you know why Job did not get frantic, fight, fright, or flight? Because he lost everything he had. But it was in those moments of losing it all that he was the closest to God. How do I know he was close to God? Look at Job. Chapter 1 tells us everything he went through. Lost his house, lost his family. Chapter 1 gives you, like, everything. From chapter 2 to chapter 38, God don't speak to Job. But here, here is how I know God and Job were this close. This. Because Job is the book that has the most questions in it. Now, you only ask questions to people who you're with, right? Like, it, 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 hey, hey, how, how, how do I get to Olive Garden? And he's going to tell me, <laughs> you have no idea, bro? Look, you take that, right? When you get to 192, you make a right. When you get to John Young, make a left. Pass the loop, make a left. Right there, bro. It's on me. You can only ask questions if somebody's there, right? Hey, hey, um, 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 what time is it? You can't ask that question if you don't hear. Hey, uh, 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 what time service starts? Hey, uh, uh, what time you get out? You know, Job spent 37 chapters asking questions. Implying that if he's asking questions, there's something. But we think if God is there, then we shouldn't have any problems. Job is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to God in the midst of the problem because I know he's there and I know he hears. No, 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 no. 37 chapters. Job is asking questions. God decides to answer Job's questions. And he answers him. And he answers him with a question. Job has been asking God, where are you? And why this? And why are my enemies? And why have I lost it all? And this and that. Right there. Just letting him ask his questions. And when God gets ready to answer, when God's get ready to answer, got up and got down for no reason, right? When God gets ready to answer, he tells him this. The Bible says, and the Lord answered Job. 
you know that the word entered in the Hebrew is sing the Lord sang to Job and he sang him a question that's why worship is so powerful but I preach that another day the Lord answered Job and said this where were you when I formed the earth when the earth was nothing but a glimpse now this is the guy that for 38 chapters he's asking questions and then when God responds he responds with a question as if to give him see, see because Job was so caught up in his mess he was so caught up in his mess that he was asking questions based on his mess. But now God asks him a question from another spectrum. Yeah, you're focused on your, your I want it now mentality. I need it now mentality. But God says, hey, hey, Papa, Papa, where were you? Because you're, you're focusing on, 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 on the land you lost. But where were you before the cow was created? Where were you when there was no cow and there was no horse and you had no kids? Where were you? I was there. And if I was there and I'm with you. Church. Friends. James tells us. Count it or consider it all joy. When you go through trials. Let your response to the pain. different from the world's response to the pain. It's like, it's like working out. I, you know, I, I, I got a community, you know, I got a workout center in my community. I go to my community center, I'm going to drink from the water fountain. I'm going to look at the pool. Because to me, the weight room means pain. Not to a bodybuilder. To a bodybuilder, pain means good. Because it's going to make them stronger. It's going to make them bigger. You're going to be able to flex longer. Your pain, your heartache, and your struggle. James tells us, count it all happiness. No. Count it all joy. Now, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Happiness depends on what's happening. Happiness stems out of happen. Something happens good, I'm happy. Joy stems out of God's character because joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So when I have the joy of the Lord, I can look at that pain and say what, say what Job said. He said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. How could you look at something bad and say it was good? You want to know how? Ask a mother who's having a baby. Ask a mother who's pushing out a baby. In the middle of the pain and the tears, and I hope you die, husband. Here comes that baby. The tears of pain becomes tears of joy. James is telling us, count it all joy. Because somewhere between the counting and the considering and, and keeping your eyes on Christ and having a vision fixed and understanding that you need treatment and you need to be distracted, somewhere between all that, God makes us better, stronger. 
That's why James can write to a church that is afraid because he saw his brother die. He lost it all. His friends were boiled up. And he says, I can speak about joy because I've been through it. Our pain is what God is going to use to help other people in their process.